for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there and happy new year, my friends. Welcome to the Misty Winston show here on today's news talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Brand new spanking year. I've never really been into New Year's. I don't know if y'all get very excited about that. To me, it's just another day. I mean, cool. The calendar, I get to change calendars. It's never really been that big of a deal to me, though. But it is cool uh, to start out a whole new year here on TNT Radio. I'm very excited about all the uh, guests that we have lined up already. Lots of stuff to cover, obviously, as we move into an election year. So definitely stay tuned for all of that. Um, And uh, we just heard the TNT shop. Uh, I did not get my puffer jacket for Christmas. I'm not happy about it. So my birthday is coming up on January 12th. I'm just going to buy it for myself. A little present for me. Um, I like buying myself presents every once in a while. So uh, I'll have my puffer jacket soon. Um, Okay. Uh, so happy new year, obviously bad news. Unfortunately, I'm sorry to bring you bad news to start off the new year. Um, but I would be absolutely remiss to not talk about this, uh, right now at the top of the show. Um, legendary journalist, investigative journalist, John Pilger, unfortunately passed away over the weekend. Um, on December 30th, his family tweeted from his official Twitter account, um, which is at John Pilger. If you want to go and take a look for yourself, uh, they said it is with great sadness. The family of John Pilger announced he died yesterday, 30th, December, 2023 in London, aged 84. His journalism and documentaries were celebrated around the world. But to his family, he was simply the most amazing and loved dad, granddad, and partner. Rest in peace. Um, I've talked about John Pilger many times on this show. Uh, He's a huge inspiration of mine. Um, His documentaries are, as they just mentioned, incredible. Um, uh, The documentary that he did on Palestine, uh, it's called Palestine is Still the Issue, was one of the first um, exposures that I had to the plight of Palestinians. It is an absolute must-watch film if you are somebody who is interested in learning about the history, the context, all of the things that you need to know in order to um, have an educated opinion on that situation. So WikiLeaks also tweeted out, um, obviously, uh, well, maybe not obviously, for anybody who knew John Pilger or followed his work, you know that he was a uh, dear friend to Julian Assange and also one of the most ardent and vocal supporters. Uh, WikiLeaks tweeted out, we extend our deepest condolences to uh, the family of John Pilger, who sadly passed away, aged 84. May he rest in power. The veteran journalist, writer, and filmmaker was a ferocious speaker of truth to power whom in later years tirelessly advocated for the release and vindication of Julian Assange. Our world is poorer for his passing. Uh, Couldn't agree more. Um, And again, he did such an amazing job speaking out for Julian Assange. Um, He went to numerous events. He covered the uh, hearings that were in London in September of 2020, I think. Uh, All the days blur together. Um, uh, So yeah, he was a huge supporter of Julian Assange. He had met with Julian Assange recently. Um, Stella Assange and uh, John Pilger were good friends. They spoke on a regular basis um, and, you know, kind of worked together and brainstormed and things like that. Um, Terribly sad. Um, Also, uh, Max Blumenthal tweeted out, John Pilger's documentaries are historically significant exposés of the cruelty and conviances of U.S. empire in which he gave voice to resistance movements still struggling for their sovereignty. Films like his 1983 Nicaragua, A Nation's Right to Survive, inspired my own work, as did the messages of encouragement and insights he sent to me and my colleagues. Unlike so many of his contemporaries who fell into a fog of liberalism late in life, Pilger's critiques of empire only sharpened with time. Sadly, he left us today, but his body of work will only grow more relevant in the cataclysmic years ahead. And yes, 
unfortunately that is um likely to be very true very prophetic um uh pilger was one of the most obviously he did the documentary he did a couple different documentaries on um palestine but he uh was one of the most i would say um uh influential uh, uh, investigative journalist who was speaking on that issue. Um, I mentioned Stella Assange. She also tweeted out over the weekend, our dear, dear John Pilger has left us. He was one of the greats, a consistent ally of the dispossessed. John dedicated his life to telling their stories and awoke the world to the great injustices. He showed great empathy for the weak and was unflinching with the powerful. John was one of Julian's most vocal champions, but they also became the closest of friends. He fought for Julian's freedom until the end. Quote, we are all Spartacus if we want to be, end quote, he wrote in his last published piece. This was John challenging us until the end. Let's always seek to rise to the challenge. Thank you, dear friend. And um, a declassified Australia uh, today published, uh, republished, I should say, his final essay that he wrote in uh, April of this year. If you want to go check it out, it is a wonderful read, as all of John's pieces were. Um, so horribly sad news. One of the greats uh, really leaves a just massive hole in the world of journalism, uh, uh, truly one of the last of a, a dying breed, a legitimate investigative journalist. I mean, one of uh, just old school, like just one of the best. I just really there aren't enough praises to sing for him, um, leaves a gaping hole in uh, the world of journalism. He is going to be sorely missed, uh, terribly sad, but he leaves behind um, an amazing body of work. So uh, in his honor, go check out one of his documentaries, read some of his pieces, um, expose yourself to his work. You will not regret it. You will be definitely better for it. So, um, okay, don't forget, you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the Substack. Just a quick note on that. Um, my pal Indy's taking a little break, so I'm taking over the Substack and I am horrible at technology and all of that stuff. So if it's a little um, funky, uh, please be patient with me. I'm going to try to figure it out on the fly, uh, but that's mistywinston.substack.com. You can find a write-up for the guest of the day every day, so you can find, follow, and support their work as well. And if you would like, shoot me an email, mistywinston at tntradio.live. And while you're at it and you're doing all the following, subscribing, all that stuff, why not give TNT Radio a follow as well? We're on all the major social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. And you can help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, here we go. Israel's Supreme Court has struck down a controversial judicial judicial overhaul law enacted last year by the Netanyahu administration, which would limit the high court's power. Uh, this is pretty significant news. So here with this story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. So this is another shot to Netanyahu uh, here, Adam. This is the story that went away uh, conveniently yeah. a couple months ago, and now it's back. Uh oh, <laughs> it happened. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like you said, pretty big deal, I guess. Um I barely understand the politics of my own country, let alone the politics of another country. But Fair. this shall shed some light on the entire matter. I hope that's my intention anyways. Um, but yes, uh, the Supreme Court of Israel affirmed its authority. Uh, this was today on Monday. Um, or I Actually, I don't know how the, the world clock works. Maybe this was sort yeah. of halfway yesterday. But anyways, uh, Monday, local time for them to overturn the government decision and so-called, quote unquote, basic laws. These are major pieces of legislation that serves basically as a kind of constitution for Israel. Um, and it's been decided now in an eight 
to seven majority decision, the 15 member panel voted to overturn a law which was passed in July last year, which prevents judges from overturning government decisions. Huh. The court said laws, right? The, the court said laws backed by the government are, quote unquote, unreasonable and will bring, quote, severe and unprecedented harm to the core characteristics of Israel as a democratic state, end quote. The law overturned by the country's highest court with a narrow majority was part of a broader judicial overhaul proposed by none other than Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his allies, Mr. Netanyahu and his coalition announced their sweeping overhaul plan shortly after taking office a year ago, intended to curb the power of the judges and limit the Supreme Court's ability to review government or parliamentary decisions. Sounds like a nice uh, deal. Uh, the planned overhaul sparked months of mass protests. That's right. Remember those? Uh, it threatened to destroy them. <laughs> threatened to trigger a constitutional crisis between the judicial and legislative branches of government and even rattled the cohesion of the powerful military who are all suddenly on board the same page again. Weird how that happens. Hundreds of thousands of Israelis took to the streets in weekly protests against the government. Among the demonstrators were military reservists, including fighter pilots and members of other elite units, who said they would stop reporting for duty if the overhaul was passed. Reservists make up the backbone of the Israeli military. However, the overhaul was put on hold, and so were the protests after October 7th, of course. Um, ah, yeah, we all know about that. Uh, Justice Minister Yariv Levin, a Netanyahu ally and the architect of the overhaul, slammed the court's decision, saying it demonstrated, quote, the opposite of the spirit of unity required these days for the success of our soldiers on the front, end quote. The ruling, quote, unquote, quote, will not discourage us, end quote, Mr. Levine uh, is quoted as saying, without indicating whether the government would try to revive his plan in the short term. Uh, he said, quote, as the campaigns are continuing on different fronts, we will continue to act with restraint and responsibility, end quote. Um, there's been no immediate reaction from uh, Mr. Netanyahu. Um, Netanyahu's government could seek to ignore Monday's ruling, apparently, setting the stage for a constitutional crisis over who has has ultimate authority. Uh, apparently, the justices also voted uh, 12 to 3 to affirm its authority to overturn the Israeli constitution-like, quote-unquote, basic laws. Uh, so, a quick note here. Apparently, in Israel, the parliament-like Knesset serves as the legislative branch. The government, which is headed by the prime minister, is the executive branch, and the court system constitutes the judicial branch. Uh, and the rifts between the Supreme Court and Netanyahu show the divisions in the country among the three branches. Can't we all just get along, Misty? What do you think no. about this one? <laughs> no, we clearly cannot, Adam. That is not possible. Grown adults are not capable of just getting along. But yeah, this is for, uh, we kind of joked about it but uh, before you jumped into this article, but this story was a big deal prior to October 7th. Uh, there's a whole host of issues going on with Benjamin Netanyahu. The Israeli population is not hugely uh, supportive of him and haven't been. And we've talked about that, that 
um, you know, uh, if you throw your tinfoil, not really, but if you throw your tinfoil hat on for a minute um, and you ponder the idea that perhaps um, something like an October 7th was maybe allowed to happen, because we all know that when uh, presidents or people in positions of power are in trouble, um, when their approval ratings are down, when they are at risk of being hoisted out of power, uh, what do they do? They start a war. It's a very uh, common tactic. Um, that we've seen uh, many, many presidents and world leaders take uh, over the course of <laughs> the, the entirety of world uh, history. Um, so, yeah, I think that the Israeli population has been long uh, fed up with Benjamin Netanyahu. I think that this is um, uh, this. I think what's going to be interesting is how, as you mentioned, he has there is a chance that he could just decide to ignore this this ruling. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he plays this because obviously there's he's in a very precarious situation as it is that he's starting to see a lot of the population um, in particular. Listen, I don't I don't want to get it confused. People are not protesting him about committing a genocide. It's unfortunate, but that's not what they're uh, they're protesting against. Um, they're protesting over uh, his lack of urgency about uh, getting the hostages home. The fact that he's indiscriminately bombing the local Location where the hostages are being held without any, um, with seemingly without any care whatsoever, that he is almost certainly killing uh, Israeli hostages. Um, so it, it, he's already in a very tricky situation. There's already rumblings. When you sent me the story, I looked online. There's already rumblings um, from people in Israel talking about him being ousted from power. Uh, and we've been seeing that even before October 7th, as I said, there, there, this, this story was taking place. There's a lot of corruption uh, in his administration. So there was a lot of rumblings and talks about him being ousted from power um, even before October 7th. And now with that situation boiling up, um, I think that it's very likely that he's going to uh, struggle to maintain power. Um, but it, it will definitely be interesting to see if he decides to... Um, you know, go along with this ruling if he decides to ignore it. I think that that'll be that is something that I'm interested to see how he and his uh, band of merry psychopaths decide to play this out. But what do you think, Adam? Well, you know, like I said, I'm no expert in the, the politics of Israel. But here's another interesting thing. I have a quick just throw this in there. There was another thing that was a big deal uh, in the news cycles for a while before this um, Supreme Court kerfuffle here and then before uh, the October 7th. And that was all of these corruption um, charges being alleged yeah. against Netanyahu and I believe his wife as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So that kind of like just whoop, disappeared, went by the wayside. Like, yeah, I, I noticed that about these these stories sometimes. It's like it seems so important and it's such a big deal. And then it just poop disappears and then it's back on the plate again. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on here with this one. So I think that we're going to have to like just keep a close eye on how this is going to play out. And, you know, there's already talks about how this is going to it, the biggest effect apparently on the government will will take place when the war with Hamas is over. But God only knows how long that's going to be. I've already seen reports where they're planning to carry this thing all the way through the entire year of 2024. So who knows? Yeah. Misty? Yeah, there's been uh, a couple different high-level Israeli officials who have talked about years-long war uh, with uh, Gaza on Gaza. Um, it's not a war. I, I mean, that's really just a complete misrepresentation of reality. But yeah, uh, there's again, Netanyahu was in huge trouble before October 7th on various different fronts. There was the court si uh, situation, which there were huge protests about in Israel. There was the corruption stuff, which there was also huge protests about in Israel. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, covers his butt on this one if he's able to. So definitely we will keep a very close eye on the situation. See, uh, I don't think he has commented yet. Um, you may have mentioned that. I don't think he has made any comment on this yet. I know that um, uh, the Epoch Times tried to contact 
um, uh, Israeli officials, and there was no response. So we'll see what they what kind of response they give, if any, and if they decide to stick by this ruling. So uh, thanks, Adam, for bringing us the story. We will talk to you again tomorrow, as always. And hang tight. We're going to be back right after this here on TNT Radio. Jeremy now on TNT Radio. Being South African, I'm, I know the situation, and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I? Yes. Um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, so it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both of those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT Radio. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like, I don't remember what I did last week, but like, I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy. There's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible. I'm dying. I wasn't working. So I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. Are you sitting comfortably? Oh, yes, yes. And I'll begin. Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Our guest today is Angela McCardle. Angela serves as the national chair for the Libertarian Party. She is also one of the major forces and co-organizer for the Rage Against the War Machine effort, which is about to host its second annual event, this time entitled Defeat the Deep State Going Bold. This time I love it. Uh, in Washington, D.C. on February 17th in 2024. Uh, so I'm very excited. It's going to be a great event. So definitely uh, check that out. We'll get into that, uh, all the details here in just a bit. So Angela, thanks so much for being here. You are so welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. It's always great to talk to you. And first of all, Happy New Year to you. Um, uh, and I know that as chair of the National Libertarian Party, you've all obviously been incredibly busy, especially uh, busy, especially as we move into an election year. And I saw that you actually just tweeted out that you have uh, announced a new website, um, a new news website. You tweeted out, Happy New Year. I'm excited to share the launch of LP National's news site, news.lp.org. If you're a libertarian, we want your submission. So obviously, I want to talk to you about Rage Against the War Machine. Uh, but I figured uh, we could talk about this just really briefly here, uh, if, if you want to share with us what LP News is, and then also uh, anything else that the Libertarian Party is working on moving into 2024. Absolutely. I mean, I think that time is right to, to continue expanding alt media. You know, people are really tired of uh, the hysterics of CNN, 
Fox News, all that uh, stuff. And I think it's really important to try to push it as far down in the algorithm as possible, too, when you go to search for news. And we just really need more uh, libertarian alternative uh, media voices and opinions. So we are we are launching our, our news website. We want this to be from a libertarian, like capital L perspective. What is the party doing? What are libertarians actually doing to advance the agenda of individualism? Um, peaceful foreign foreign policy, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, so you'll be hearing a lot about what the state affiliates are up to, you know, what's what are our perspectives on foreign policy, all, all kinds of good stuff. You know, what are we doing on the ballot access front too? That's sometimes like I think a kind of dry and a stale topic. And so we're going to be trying to kind of breathe some life into that and have it uh, give it a little bit more interesting perspective. And there is a little bit more interesting um, perspective on that sort of stuff now, since uh, the powers that be are trying to kick Donald Trump off of the ballot. Uh, you know, it's not like, I'm not trying to poke fun at something that's quite so serious, but I do think that it's kind of interesting that other people yes. are experiencing the pain of ballot access. So we'll be sharing all For of sure. our opinions on that stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I think that you're absolutely right. I think that, um, as you, yeah, ballot access is not sexy, right? Nobody, nobody is like, right. you know, actively going out and looking for news about ballot access, unless you're really, you're like a, a politics geek You're That's not something that you're in. Anybody's really all that interested in, in checking out, but you're right. I think that, um, uh, if there is a silver lining to the ridiculous, uh, ridiculousness of them attempting to pull Donald Trump off of ballots, I think that that really does kind of bring into sharp relief an, an issue that third party and independent candidates have been dealing with for a very long time. I mean, you I mean, you can speak to that. It is incredibly difficult just to get onto a ballot, right? Yep. yep, absolutely. There are states where you have to collect thousands and thousands of signatures um just to run. And you have to do it over and over again every two or four year election cycle. It's uh it's exhausting. They do that on purpose. They want to exhaust you. They want to wear you down. It's sort of a war of attrition when it comes to volunteer and volunteer manpowers and certainly financial um aspects as well and and so you know we'll see we'll see what happens um in the state of maine which is where we've been working with a, a voter registration drive by the way trying to trying to gain permanent ballot access status that way in the state of maine so it's interesting to see what happens there we do have a dog in the fight so yeah. you know if we need to file an amicus brief we're we're going to do that we're going to swallow our pride and say hey let's work together to try to overcome this with the understanding that hopefully they will not turn around and try to stab us in the back there because we really do all need to to behave honorably to try to, you know, hold on to what's left of this country. Right. Yes. And that is uh, that's what's so ridiculous about this whole situation. And uh, it's very strange to me to see people cheering uh, that on. I understand. I mean, I, I get Donald Trump derangement syndrome is intense. Um, and I think that there are a lot of people who are blinded by that. But it's it's just so absurd to me that anybody would cheer on the idea that he is being taken off of the ballot for a crime he's not been charged with or convicted of. Uh, that's for a very scary Right. Yeah. For democracy. Right. <laughs> what what to destroy work? democracy to protect democracy? I'm what? <laughs> totally yeah. mind blowing. I, you know, it's it's yeah. unfortunate that TDS seems to be a very serious medical condition. You know, it's, yeah. it's a it's a half a step away from Alzheimer's dementia. I hope that they find a treatment soon. <laughs> 
right? It is, uh, it's, it is, it's always been absurd. I've never seen Donald Trump as this existential threat who is somehow, you know, so different from any other corrupt politician in this country. They're all, I mean, he's no, he's no special brand of evil. He is, and he's loud. I mean, that's the only real difference is that he's loud. He has no gift for subtlety, um, which I think is honestly one of his best qualities. He just says stuff, you know what I mean? He's not, we're going to go steal their oil. He just says it out loud, which I think is great. I love that. Um, uh, but yeah, he, it's just, it's crazy to me that they are couching this as saving democracy by literally destroying democracy. Um, but they've been doing that for a very long time. As we mentioned, third party and independent candidates, um, have been struggling with this issue, this very issue for a long time. And that's what I think is, I'm, I'm glad that you're, um, uh, kind of taking advantage of that situation to call attention to what the libertarian party and others have been dealing with for years now. I mean, this is something that has been, um, a massive hill, mountain uh, for third party candidates. Um, And I don't think a lot of people, uh, again, if you're not a politics geek, if you aren't like thoroughly entrenched in the process and you don't hang out in those circles, I don't think a lot of people recognize or realize how difficult ballot access really is for these candidates. It's extremely, as you mentioned, thousands of signatures in certain areas, and they often will just change the rules uh, for the next time. And it just, whenever they feel like it, the rules get changed and you just have to try to keep up. State of New York did that recently. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of us just kind of roll our, roll our eyes maybe and say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Or if you're serious about politics, you should jump in one of the two major parties. People yeah. fail to understand, though, that many of those state parties keep a very tight uh, grip on who their who their candidates are going to be. And so yeah. you don't actually get to just jump in and decide, hey, if I have money, if I have influence, whatever, I'm going to be the candidate there because that's actually not how it works. They they pick an anointed candidate every couple of years. And so if you if you are an outsider, it behooves you to run as an independent or join a third party like the Libertarian Party that you identify with um, and, and do it that way, because that way is actually guaranteed that you can have a voice and, and be on the ballot. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's really gross. Like we're not we shouldn't be beholden unto a, a Democratic or Republican party. It's it's so weird um, how we view the electoral process in the United States. I don't really understand. I think that people are just like fatigued. Um, and so they just don't have enough brain power, you know, and, and bandwidth and time and energy to think about it. But it is like really disturbing. It is. It's kind of Stockholm syndrome a little bit. Yeah. And I think that it's it's just been this way for so long that I feel like a lot of people have just resigned themselves to, oh, this is the best we can do. And we just have to just kind of go along with it. It's definitely not the best we can do. It's ridiculous. It's Our electoral process is a joke. Um, we've seen that time and time again. So uh, hopefully, um, I think that they're starting to be, I think a lot of people are starting to see that. So hopefully we're, we're going to continue to see that awareness of the ridiculousness grow. So yeah. we have to take a quick break and get headlines, but then I'm gonna, uh, we're going to come back. We're going to to talk about uh, Rage Against the War Machine's newest um, uh, event that's taking place in February. I'm very excited. Lots of great speakers. Uh, so hang tight. We'll be right back here on TNT Radio. Hear about it. We're depending on our congressmen. Talk about it. The people have to stand up and say enough. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. A devastating earthquake hit central Japan today with a preliminary magnitude of 7.6 prompting mass evacuations, sparking fires, and leaving residents trapped under the rubble of their homes. During a two-hour interview at his Mar-a-Lago resort, former President Donald Trump criticized the Biden administration for what he perceives as a failure to effectively manage the U.S.-Mexico border. 
describing the situation as an invasion and a migration of civilization into our country. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. All right, we are here with Angela McArdle, who is the chair of the National Libertarian Party, and she's also one of the driving forces behind the Rage Against the War Machine effort. Uh, they had their first event last year, last February, uh, which I attended. It was fantastic. Um, they're doing another one on February 17th in Washington, D.C. You can go to defeatthedeepstate.org, um, and this is going to be big. I think that um, uh, the 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 uh, demands are much bolder. I think that there's a ton of great speakers, so we're going to get into this. So. When you first started Rage Against the War Machine, I know that the idea was to not make it a one-off. You wanted to see this uh, this effort be yeah. uh, kind of a continuing thing that uh, continues to build. Um, so uh, what, pro- what kind of progress do you think has been made over the past year? I think that we have made a really solid left-right coalition. Um, yes. And we did a lot to kickstart the anti-war movement. And, and I'm really excited about that. And we still have that coalition thriving. We've made really good relationships across the political spectrum. And I think that we're looking to really um, expand that right now. And we want to see more people from the right jump in. And we, we're talking about abolishing the deep state. You've seen conservatives talk about getting rid of the FBI. Vivek Ramaswamy right now is unrolling a plan on on how to abolish it and cut like almost all of them, except for maybe 15,000 jobs and just have them absorbed into other agencies. We'll get to those other agencies next with him, right? Uh, but you got to start somewhere. And so I think now's a really good time to, to try to articulate to more people out there the relationship between the deep state and wars for empire and forever wars overseas and how the whole thing works with the United States and our military industrial complex. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's my favorite thing about this effort is the uh, the coalition building across the political yeah. spectrum. It's something I have been um, uh, very passionate about myself and I've been at uh, the Assange movement as I'm pretty involved in has been very um, passionate about as well, because it is it's ridiculous to me that we have to, um, you know, kind of isolate ourselves into ideological mm-hmm. bubbles when there's so many things that we have in common. And that's um, uh, just credit to you and to the whole team at um, uh, Rage Against the War Machine. Initially, when the website came out, um, Assange supporters noticed that Julian Assange and whistleblowers weren't uh, on the list of demands. Um, and we contacted you. You were incredibly receptive, immediately took action. It has been fixed. It was just an oversight on the website, um, but it has immediately been fixed. And so thank you for doing that. I hope it it didn't seem as if we were coming across as pushy or anything like that. But um, obviously, that's something that we pay very close attention to. And we were so grateful that you included them, uh, Assange and whistleblowers, last year. So it's uh, great to have them listed. They are uh, demand number one. So the demands are as follows. Pardon Julian Assange, Edward Snowden, and all whistleblowers. Number two is abolish the FBI. Number three is abolish the NSA. Number four is abolish the CIA. Number five, abolish NATO. Number six, abolish DHS. Number seven, abolish the corporate state. And number eight, abolish the military industrial complex. Very simple, very to the point. I love every single one of them, Angela. It's great. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I just, I want to see this catch on, right? And you know, it's interesting with, with Julian Assange. I think this is something where it's really important to build a coalition. 
It's really yeah. important to get people from the left and the right on. And I do think there is a movement right now with conservatives and, um, well, with populist conservatives, right, to to see him free. This is something that Tucker Carlson talks about. I believe he yes. talked to President Trump about it. And so we'll see if maybe he can make progress there. I think it's on us to just, like, keep really pushing this, you know, apply the right kind of pressure, be, be strong, be vocal about it, be a little bit gracious when people start to make progress and continue to encourage them and just keep, like, the pressure on them. Because um, this would be such a colossal, like huge blow to the deep state to yes. see this man freed. And it would be obviously such a huge, just such a huge win, I think, for, for press freedom humanity. across the board. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. For humanity and, and for in general. Humanity. Yeah. I mean, yes. yeah. like, you know, we talk about this because it is a very political thing and, and it is really important from, from a political perspective, but I mean, the man is a human being with with two small children and a wife. Like, it's what what does it mean when we when when the country is is willing to just let something like this happen and let someone die slowly of torture in prison and and we just turn our heads because we're too busy? You know, that's yeah, that's yeah. It's hard thing. to watch. It's hard it to watch, is. and you're right. It is I mean, everything else aside. He is a human being, and the idea that they have been uh, so effectively able to, um, I mean, just demolish his rights. I mean, they were spying yeah. on him in the Ecuadorian embassy. There were plots developed to murder him. Uh, just one right after the other, his rights have been just completely obliterated in broad daylight. They're not hiding it, um, and it yeah. seems as if uh, most people are. Uh, and I think that speaks a lot to the propaganda that has been pushed against him. The smear campaign that's been lobbied against him they've created this kind of comic book villain out of him where most people are either apathetic or support his torture um because of the things that they've been told about him but yes i think that um uh the assange thing there's been a ton of movement on it and i do think i'm so glad that you mentioned that it's important to give credit where it's due not always easy i mean listen do i want to praise marjorie taylor green for supporting julian assange no i'm not a big marjorie taylor green fan right. do i want to praise aoc for signing on to the bipartisan letter no of course not i don't like aoc but it's important to do those things it's important important yep. to give credit where it's due because if you uh if you don't who why would anybody be swayed to come on board you know what i mean if, if you're still going to trash them you know it's that's Absolutely. a very important point for sure yeah yes so yes. so major thanks to them um i'll also mention that gabriel shipton has been invited to speak at the national libertarian party convention memorial day weekend next year um Great. so we are really trying to maintain some continuity with this, obviously the, the LP is one of the co-sponsors of the rally in addition with the People's Party. So we're gonna be talking about freeing freeing Julian there. And then we also wanna invite his brother to really share about what's been going on, you know, and his personal struggle with it at our national convention and just try to keep the fire and momentum up, especially in DC. DC is yeah. so gross, but if yeah. we're gonna be there, like let's bring the message there. Let's make yeah. it so that it's just like unavoidable. Yeah. And thank you for doing that, too. I think that, um, uh, listen, the Libertarian Party has been long been one of the greatest supporters of Julian Assange. It's the reason why I um, years ago decided to uh, kind of go outside of my own personal ideological bubble because I saw that there was support um, that I could be tapping, we could be tapping into. And I think that that's, um, it's, that's what I think is so great about, uh, Rage Against the War Machine, because, uh, I think that that's, it's so bizarre to me that we, uh, have convinced ourselves that we can't speak to anybody who we disagree with yeah. anywhere. It's, I don't even agree with myself all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like it, there's, yeah. there's things that I'm still learning about changing my views on trying to figure out where I stand. And so the idea that I have to isolate myself into this tiny little bubble where only people who agree with me a hundred percent of the time, 
uh, are hanging out. That's just insane. You're never going to get anything done there. So um, uh, there's just so many things uh, like this, like Julian Assange, like defeating the deep state, like ending the wars that I think we have so much in common on, but they've just done such a great job of isolating us and convincing us that we are each other's enemies, uh, that we're too busy pointing fingers at each other, uh, then coming together where we can uh, and and getting some stuff done, getting some things accomplished that would benefit all of us. So uh, I, I love seeing this grow. I'm really excited about that. So we're, we're going to take another quick break, but I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the speakers. I love the speakers that you have uh, so far this year. Um, our very own Patrick Henningsen, spoiler alert, uh, is one of them. So uh, hang tight. We're going to be right back here on TNT Radio. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was gonna make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. My character Shazam knows all about growing up in a family full of teenage superheroes. They're bold. Where's everyone going? To fight crime. Okay. Adventurous. There's never a dull moment. And no matter what happens, they'll always have your back. All they need is a place to grow and be themselves. And the best part is, you don't have to be a superhero to adopt a teen. Learn more about adopting a teen from foster care. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. We are here with co-organizer of Rage Against the War Machine, uh, Angela McArdle. The event is taking place on February 17th in Washington, D.C. You can go to defeatthedeepstate.org for more information. You can donate. You can check out the speaker list. You can sign up for um, uh, updates and all of that good stuff. So definitely check that out. So uh, the the list of speakers is fantastic. I'm sure you'll be adding some as you move on or maybe not. Maybe you've got your your list pretty settled here, but you yourself will be a speaker. A lot of these are repeats from last year, which I love. Yes. yourself are a speaker, Gerald, uh, Gerald Salente is a speaker, Tara Reed, Garland Nixon, Keith Knight, Daniel McAdams, Tatiana Moroz, uh, Scott Horton, which by the way, um, if you go to the website, everybody's picture is listed with a little quote from each person. And I think it's hilarious that Scott Horton, who's one of the like biggest chatterboxes on planet Earth, his his is just a sentence. <laughs> Makes me laugh. Uh, Jose Vega, my dear friend, Craig Pasta, Jardula, David Swanson, Dan Cohen, who's an amazing journalist who's done incredible work on uh, Palestine. And then also, as I mentioned uh, before the break, our very own Patrick Henningsen. So um, uh, did you, was it intentional that you wanted to get um, some of the the same people from last year? Yes, we've invited almost everyone back. Um, There are a handful of people I haven't invited back yet because I can't find their contact information somehow. Uh, But yeah, we, we want to keep that coalition and that, that spirit alive. We had a phenomenal event last time. We just added an extra couple hours to the rally so that we'll have more time to add new speakers, but um, I mean, everyone just did such a great job and and I, I just thought it was such an amazing event. We should, you know, we shouldn't leave anyone out. 
Yeah, no, it was a great event. I was there. Um, uh, uh, Nick was very kind. I brought my big um, Assange tapestry that I've been taking to all of the different Assange events. And I was having the speakers sign it. I intend to give it to Gabriel Shipton. Um, uh, we've given him a WikiLeaks flag that was signed by a bunch of people as well. We kind of try to get something new to take to different events. Uh, and the, the, the rally last year was phenomenal. It was great. The weather was great, which in February yeah. in DC is always a little chancy. <laughs> it's a little iffy, uh, but the weather was great that day. Um, all of the speakers were fantastic. Um, some of my favorites were, uh, Max Blumenthal, Jimmy Dore, Gerald yeah. Salente was great. Um, yeah, it was just a really phenomenal event. And like you said, it was so, to me, the best thing about it was walking through the crowd and talking to people and realizing that there were people from literally all political walks of life, from the right to the left to the in-between. It was a, a, a genuine coalition and a coming together across the political spectrum. And that, I think, was just, it gave me a lot of hope, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we just want to build this coalition out, right? And I, I think yeah. people are people are really interested in learning more too. Like yes. since Tucker Carlson has gone kind of independent, you know, you're you're starting to see a lot of the things that we've talked about at our rallies become a little bit more mainstream. I think it's a great time. You know, and as a, someone who's been, you know, like on the political fringe and like a political activist for a long time, sometimes you have kind of weird feelings about seeing these things go mainstream. That's good. Yeah, it's it is. good for us to like that, to push it. Like I would love to see free Assange billboards. That's something we've talked about doing with the libertarian party. I want to see him on a, a Nike shoe. You know, I want it to be like that mainstream that it becomes just irresistible and they yeah. just can't hold him anymore. That it's just an overwhelming popular majority. There's so much support. You can't get elected unless you pledge to free this man. That's yep. what I want to accomplish. And so we want we want the rally to be part of that. You know, we want there to be a populist movement behind abolishing all these agencies. I want to see more people like Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA questioning the war in Palestine. Like I just want to contribute to that as much as I can. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. And it's uh, it's a little bit frustrating because I feel like as somebody who has been moving in activist circles for a very long time, there it, it kind of it feels a little bit like there are a lot of people involved who are more interested in it being a social club than they yeah. are in actually accomplishing things. And um, I, I don't I'm not into that. I want I want everybody to be talking about Julian Assange. I want literally like your grandma. I want your grandma talking about Julian Assange. I want all people to know who he is, know what he does and want to free him. And I think that that's that's, there are a lot of people, and I'm not talking about necessarily the Assange movement. I think gen, generally speaking, the Assange movement is uh, pretty on board uh, with that uh, prospect. They Everybody wants yeah. everybody wants him free. We, I mean, I've done a billboard campaign myself here in Ohio. Uh, I know that they've done one in uh, the UK. They're unfortunately expensive and fundraising for sure. that kind of stuff is difficult, especially right now. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, uh, it's, uh, that's what I think is so cool about the idea of these coalitions, though, is that you're right. People are curious. People, I think people, I think honestly, COVID was a big slap in the face for a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. And as they started to question those narratives, I think that that has led to other conversations and other questions. Um, and I think that seeing Ukraine and now Palestine and, you know, everybody's worried about China and Taiwan. And I think people are starting to um, really come to the realization that these agencies, these deep state agencies are um uh, incredibly dangerous. They do not make us safer, quite the opposite. Um, and I think that those conversations are starting to be had more and more. And I feel like the momentum is really swinging 
in that direction where people are starting to get it. Do you think that that's true? Or is that just me trying to be like hopelessly optimistic, which is very out of character for me? <laughs> I think it's happening. I think more yeah. people are starting to get it. I think people are understanding that this is where like the political winds are blowing. And I think people want to get on board with it. And whether or not they want to get on board for the right reasons, I kind of don't even care. No. I, I just, as long as, as long as it's out there and there are some people who are serious and authentic about it and that that translates into popular support, like that's, that's what I want. That's what I think is important. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist. I, uh, I want to be a futurist. I feel like I'm not quite there yet. Like I want to be someone who has a ton of optimism for the future and that yeah. this is part of it because people are wising up and they're going to do the right thing. And, you know, maybe with third parties, we're, we're going to find ways around typical systems of governance. And we're just going to leave those people in the dust as technology advances and people start to wake up. It's, it's almost like Congress won't even matter. Oh, okay. Just sit in your building and do your thing. I'm going to yeah. go over here and I'm going to like prosper and make this world better and love it. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what I've been saying for years is that it, it really is uh it, we have to start building outside the current systems. That's really the only uh, that's the only method for uh, real substantive change that I see moving forward. The political system is so unbelievable. I mean, we just talked about the elect uh, the electoral process. It's so unbelievably corrupt from top to bottom. It's just nearly impossible to um, get any kind of even just as we mentioned to get on a ballot is nearly impossible. So um, uh, yeah, I think that we have to just start build. That's the big thing is building those coalitions and then starting to build mm -hmm. outside the systems. And um, and you're right. I don't care like people um uh people come for me all the time it's so annoying uh why are you praising marjorie taylor green she doesn't support assange authentically i don't care i don't care you know what Maybe i mean until you make it yeah, exactly. Well, and she's she has a uh, like her or not, she has a massive platform. She has influence. Um, and so if I can exploit that, people do the same thing with Tucker Carlson. Why? Why are you praising Tucker Carlson? Because he's talking about Julian Assange loudly and often. That's yep. why um, I don't care if he's doing it for the right reasons or if he's got the best intentions or if he's serious about wanting to free Julian Assange. I don't it doesn't matter. He has a huge platform. And if we can exploit that um, to mainstream Julian Assange, as we just said, yes sign me up i'm on board let's do that <laughs> it's so weird and, uh, and everybody has a political journey yeah you know like yes the difference with somebody like tucker or marjorie taylor green is that their political journey is out in the open and it's heavily scrutinized and so we're watching every single little thing develop at some point though we have to be willing to extend a little bit of grace if we want anybody to move in the right direction and so yeah. uh, you know i just have to extend grace and and praise when people do the right thing yeah, for sure. And it doesn't mean you have to um, it, just because I praise Marjorie Taylor Greene for saying uh, that she supports Julian Assange doesn't mean right. I agree with her on everything well, or that sure. I trust her implicitly or you know what I mean? It's so bizarre that people yeah. think that if you give credit where it's due, that suddenly that means that you're a fan of that person. That's not what that means. <laughs> That's definitely yeah, not what that means. I mean, it's like the, the social media uh, a dopamine hit thing. Mm -hmm. It, you know, it incentivizes us to think the worst of everyone all the time, to constantly foment outrage. And, you know, from my perspective, there are plenty of things to be outraged on. We don't have to continue being outraged when somebody also does the right thing. You know, just just look back at the, the rest of the government and plenty of other things to be angry about. But let's let's yeah. give some credit where credit is due. Also, let's celebrate it and like enjoy a good moment in life. Yeah. Yes. The wins are so few and far between. Yeah. 
um, take advantage and sell. Like I, I, uh, I'm <laughs> kind of known for inventing wins. I'll make something up. I don't care because it you don't get them very often and it's right. it's hard. Like being an activist is not an easy thing. It's there's not a lot of wins. It's a lot of hard work for very little reward. Um, so you have to kind of uh, grab onto those things when you can um, and make sure to give yourself that morale boost because it's a slog. It's hard to do this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, you've been in the, these spaces yeah. for a very long time. It's not easy. Um, yeah. Okay, so I also I also wanted to ask you about um, Operation Warhawks removal because I think this is great. Um, yes. Holy cow! The overabundance of insane psychopathic warmongers in Congress is uh, intense. So, what is Operation Warhawks removal? Operation Warhawk removal is a targeted effort at the National Libertarian Party level to help candidates across the country who are running at the federal level to remove some of the worst offenders in foreign policy from their elected positions. So we are interested in running radio ads, especially on conservative talk radio, to aggressively trash and destabilize incumbents who have very bad foreign policy positions, all the while running our own candidates against them. But we need to start our attacks aggressively in the primary season because people in in other parties are more vulnerable when you're when you're first time, you know, when you're not an incumbent. Yeah. Uh, we want to make these people sweat. We want to make them nervous. We want to afford we want to force them to adopt better campaigning positions. Um, and all the while, we're going to be running libertarian candidates who are talking about peaceful foreign policy and uh, reforming all of the things that are wrong with our government. So we have a few candidates who are uh, potentially going to be joining us. We have uh, Sid Dowd, who is running for Congress in Montana. He has been really targeting John Tester, who is a Democrat, who also has terrible policies and loves to play lip service to libertarian this, libertarian that. We know that's not the case. Uh, we have, I believe, James Wiley, who is running for Congress in District 3 in Colorado. There's an upstart there because Lauren Boebert, or District 4, because Lauren Boebert has jumped, I think, to District 3. So there's interesting stuff there. And then uh, potentially someone in Michigan. Um, we'll see if that if that um, solidifies. Yeah, I love this uh, this tactic. And it, it, for everybody, if you want to go and check out um, some of this, uh, again, it's defeatthedeepstate.org. Um, there's a little tab at the top that says Operation Warhawk Removal, and there's a list of people. Um, this one is uh, specifically about the uh, resolution to withdraw troops from Syria. Um, there's also a link to an article at antiwar.com from the great Dave DeCamp, who has been on the show numerous times. Uh, I cannot speak highly enough about Dave and his work and also everybody at antiwar.com. Um, but yeah, I think that this is, uh, it's a great, um, a, a tactic to take. I think it's a great, if nothing else, it puts a lot of pressure on these incumbent politicians yes. um, and forces them to, at the very least, change their rhetoric, which I think, uh, do they mean it? Probably not. But does it at least um, get that kind of conversation in the public, as you just, as we just talked mm -hmm. about, to mainstream uh, anti-war positions? Yes, of course it does. Um, so yeah, I think it's a great, uh, that's a great um, uh, uh, like approach to take to get people to put some pressure on these people um uh you know to at least change their rhetoric because um it is astonishing to me how unbelievably war hungry the elected yes. representatives in this country are it's intense yeah. angela there's hard there's hardly anybody there's what massey Thomas <laughs> sometimes massey, Rand paul you know what mike I mean? lee mike yeah. lee utah is sometimes good yeah. um well, there's three yeah there's three three uh, sometimes you'll have the squad but not always 
Yeah. Sometimes you'll get oh Matt Gates occasionally, Marjorie Taylor yeah. Green. Yeah. So that's that's like a handful of people out of 435 congressional candidates and and what 100 senators. That's that's, that's pretty insane. wild. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we also though we do invite independent candidates, Green Party candidates, you know, other political parties. If you want to get involved with Operation Warhawk Removal and you want to collaborate with us and pick a candidate, like let's do it. Let's find different candidates. As I just mentioned, there's a lot of elected officials, so you know, there's many people to target. We don't have to overlap. Uh, Diane Sarah to express some interest in joining us in this project in uh, New York as an independent candidate. So. You know, we want to get people excited about this. And it's just a tap yeah. from all peoples. I would love to see the Green Party. Has there been, I know that you had a couple of people from the Green Party at last year's event. Yep. Has there been any attempts of collaboration on stuff like this? Because the Libertarian Party and the Green Party on the anti-war issue are pretty, I mean, you guys are you have a lot of things in common. Uh, has there been any yep. conversation about there being a coalition built there? I've, co I've talked with, um, I believe his name is Rick Lass on ballot access uh, collaborations. And then we've we've worked with some people at the caucus level on anti-war stuff, but I think there might be a, you know like a, a little bit of a leadership style mm -hmm. disagreement there. I'm as always willing to work through that. Reach out, invite them. You know, I'll put the invite out here again. If you guys want to work with us on anti-war stuff, like we would love to have you. We don't have to agree on economics. There's no economic theory in nuclear winter. Let's right? just like work together on on our areas of of agreement. So the 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 door is always open. Yeah, I would love to see that. I would love to see Jill Stein speaking at the event. She's obviously she, uh, she has been invited. I haven't heard good. back from her. I know she's probably very busy with her with her campaign. But this would be for probably sure. a really great campaign stop for her. Yes, I hundred percent agree. I mean, I will. Um, I'll tweet at her. I think I have her phone number. I will text her, call her, whatever. I would love to see her speak. I would love to see Cornell West speak at the event. Um, well, I would. Right I mean, uh, I would love that. I think that the uh, uh, on this issue, and I think that that's um, again what's so frustrating about the idea that we can't collaborate even if we disagree on things. This is ending war. Like this is. Yep. <laughs> this is, I don't know, I'm willing to work with just about anybody, Angela, to avoid nuclear annihilation. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I feel like I'm willing to work with almost anybody. Like there's very few red lines for me on this issue. I, Same. if you are, if you want to fight to end war, um, uh, I'm welcome aboard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. welcome aboard. Yeah. It's a big one. This is a big issue. It's very bizarre to me that that's a controversial statement. And yet here we are. Um, I haven't noticed last year, there was a lot of drama surrounding the event. I haven't heard a lot of drama surrounding this Not yet. Nope. I Not think yet. we kind yeah. of worked out most of our kinks first time around. Um, yeah. it's really tough to come together for the first time from yeah, very different sure. uh, spaces, get to know each other, understand, you know, your, your boundaries and, you know, your, your triggers and, and all of that and still move forward. And, you know, I think we did it and, and credit to us and everybody else involved, yeah. Um, for seeing the humanity in each other, you know, and and encouraging one another and just continuing on in spite of some some challenges. So that's yeah. great. Right? Like, that's a really good that's a great reason to be optimistic about the future. I think if people yes. if I can work with literal communists on an anti-war yeah. coalition, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Yes. Thank you very much. I think that anything is possible. And um, I think it was great that 
Uh, and it, listen, organizing an event of this size anyway is so unbelievably difficult and challenging, uh, period. Um, and then yeah. adding in all of the different personalities, different ideologies, trying to find your way. Um, and I think that the, last year was a, a huge success. And so I'm very much looking forward to uh, this year's event. So everybody go to defeatthedeepstate.org. Uh, you can sign up again for uh, updates and things like that. You can check out the speaker list. You can make a contribution, all of that good stuff. Um, uh, and uh, as always, you can check out Angela um, uh, on Twitter. Um, what is it? Angela for what is LNC chair. Uh, yep, Angela for LNC chair uh, and check out the Libertarian Party and all the things that they have going on including, and including the new LP news. Check that out for sure. Uh, we need more independent media. Definitely. No question about it. Angela, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show. I appreciate you as always. Good luck in February. I'm sure you don't need it. Um, it's going to be a great event. So everybody, please, if you're in D.C. or can make it, make it down there. Uh, uh, definitely do that. Um, OK, I'll be back tomorrow with another show for you. As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now and don't go anywhere. Timothy Shays right after this here on TNT Radio. Radio.